welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Um, well, it's good to be back uh, with you again and to continue. I've been watching online when I'm not here typically because I love this church. I love what we're uh, trying to do. Uh, and um, and this topic actually is something that the Holy Spirit has been needing into my life over the last several uh, years, really, and particularly uh, in the last couple of months, uh, as we have, uh, Darren mentioned, the school shootings that are proliferating, the mass murders uh, of varying kinds that have just continued to ro- roll on, and um, my heart has been, um, uh, my, my personality, frankly, is distance. If it's not in my backyard, then, you know. Uh, but this last season, uh, for whatever reason, my heart has just been cracked open uh, in some deeply painful ways. Um, and so how do we, how does the Holy Spirit, how does, how does Jesus, when rescue is not on the table, what if the, what if the answer to our prayers is not rescue but presence? God with us in the middle of the pain. Um, what, what if suffering is itself redemptive? That is to say that there is something being worked in me, in us, that can only be worked in us through pain through the embrace of challenge, through the embrace of difficulty. And the truth is, if we did just even a a, a split-second survey, my guess would be that if you were able to be honest with yourself in your marriage or your job or your own personal development or growth, you've learned more through pain than through massive success the first time you tried something. You've learned hard lessons, yes. And we don't want to ever do that again, except we have to realize the Holy Spirit rarely teaches us everything we need to know first time around the block. Uh, If we stick close to Jesus, if we keep on praying more, Lord, if we keep on saying, Lord, I just want to be where you are, it should not escape our notice that there is a cross in there somewhere. If we're going to be with Jesus, you need to bring your own cross, B-Y-O-C. You're going to need it. <laughs> and the reason is Jesus didn't die on the cross. I've said this to you before, but I need to say it again as a launching pad for our conversation today. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we wouldn't ever have to. Jesus died on the cross so that we would know how to. So there is a modeling in the incarnation. And we see this, of course, throughout the book of Acts. I'm going to be uh, floating over a few passages, moving fairly quickly, just given our time this morning. But I'd like to begin uh, with this uh, passage in Acts chapter 4. We have celebrated the work of the Holy Spirit in phenomenal ways in the book of Acts and in healing and deliverance and all kinds of of visions and dreams and things of of that kind. So now we're going to pick this up. Uh, The church has started already to kind of uh, blip the radar screen of the leading authorities. They've been taken into custody and cautioned uh, and then released. And then we get it here in verse 23 
uh, where, where they are now gathered together. Paul, uh, Peter and John have been released from custody. They've gone back into community and they say this in prayer. Now, Lord, take note of your threats, of their threats. Grant that your bondservants may continue to speak your word with confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So again, they, this is the immediately following the story of the guy who was healed at the gate beautiful, right? Uh, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I you. The, the guy just dances into the presence of the Lord for the first time, and, and that starts to, a little bit of a caution because everybody recognized him. The religious leaders are, are anxious about this. They, what, what's going on? Where does this authority come from? They, they want to protect the community as well they should, but they take knowledge of Peter and John that they've been with Jesus, and you can feel the blood drain from their... They thought when they killed him, they thought when they had bribed the Roman guards to say somebody stole his body, that this was pretty much like done. And now, here are these guys who have been with Jesus, the rumors of his resurrection. This is, remember, only, what, two months ago? And they are already experiencing these kinds of miraculous events anchored around the name of Jesus. And the guys are cautioned. Peter and John go back to the community, and and this is their, their prayer. So they have been told not to speak anymore in his name, and they just decide we got to obey God rather than man. And they go out in this boldness, this spirit-empowered boldness, the Holy Spirit in this instance, in response to their prayers, sends them back out with boldness to proclaim empowered for mission, equipping them for the consequences of their faithfulness. Equipping them for the consequences of their faithfulness. Equipping them for the consequences of their faithfulness. Here's why I want to land on that. Sometimes when bad stuff happens, we say, why me? What did I do wrong? Well, what if what's happening is because you did something right? What if it's because of obedience? What if it's because... And, and by the way, I, I need to say this really carefully, and, but clearly. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we are pummeled because we're doing exactly the right thing in exactly the right way, because, and, and, and we have forces that are opposed to us. Yeah? Sometimes, though, we get pummeled because we're jerks. It's not persecution. You're an idiot. It, 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 do you know? It's, it's, it's not, well, they took offense. No, you were offensive. Do, do, do you see? And, 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 and so here, this spirit-empowered boldness causes them to speak, and then they get arrested again. No duh. And they're put in prison, and what are we going to do with these guys? The council is, and then Gamaliel, who ends up being Paul's mentor, says, look, this, this doesn't pass the smell test for me. If this is from God, you guys knock yourselves out, but you cannot stop this. 
why don't we just kind of keep on watching what is going to happen? So they took his advice, verse 40 of chapter 5 of the book of Acts. They took his advice, but after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and then ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they released them, and they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Wait, what? They, they, they obeyed, they were empowered, they went to preach, they got arrested, then they, before they were released, they were flogged. That does not sound like fun. And caution, don't do this anymore. And they went on their way rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit empowers you to suffer shame. The Holy Spirit empowers you to endure flogging. This, by the way, is what real persecution might look like. N not, not the LaCroix version that we have in our country. I do not get LaCroix. It is, it's like water wannabe. I don't, I don't, I don't, but we'll just leave that with Michael. All right, so um, it, this, this event occurs and they are empowered for mission and they go out and they do the thing. You're, you're tracking with me? They have been identified with Jesus and they consider when they say, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be like you. Okay, let's bring on the whips. <laughs> I want to be in your presence. What if in his presence is when he's being abused by the Romans? What if in his presence is when he's hanging naked on a cross? What if in his presence is where he's becoming sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, of God. What if in his presence is when his prayer is answered no? Still want to be where he is? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is going to empower. He wants you to learn how to be like Jesus when your prayer is answered no, and the result is death. Hard, hard, hard. Yes? That's why we need the Holy Spirit's empowerment. That's why we need the Holy Spirit's empowerment. This is not, okay, okay, no, you cannot generate enough capacity for this kind of life. And, 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 and they are, they are continued to, to continue to preach. And on and on it goes. And this, this backwards and forwards cycle results in the martyrdom of, of Stephen. Uh, in, we're going to later learn in the execution of, uh, uh, of James. I mean, it's just this, this, okay, we'll just line them up and knock them down. And we're going to start to notice that there is a strategy to the Spirit's useful using of suffering in the answer to the prayer, your kingdom come. Who is going to absorb the pain of the world without retaliation 
and thus save it in the name of Jesus. Because we're good at retaliation. Those triggers that we talked about, that reactive defensiveness, we're good at that stuff. And we just feel completely justified in spitting out what has been lodged in our own souls. Yeah? Any, anybody else? This past three, three weeks has been the most fascinating for me in a long time. I have been called a heretic. I have been called a cowardly windbag. It's been a long time. And, and, and whether they meant it or not, I think they, they did. Uh, just note, note to self, heretic is not about somebody disagreeing with you. It's somebody out of alignment with the classic creeds of the church. So be careful when you use that word, because I take that, like, personally. Right? But nonetheless, what was interesting to me was not what I was charged with, but how I reacted to it, reacted to it. Because I've mentioned to you guys before, my defensiveness... My anger response has been carefully trained and honed over the years, right? And that's, my, that's generally how I want to, uh, uh. and I watched that, I watched the meter, I watched it start to build, and, and I'm I, uh, uh, ready, to, ready to go, ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. Okay, all right, bring it on, I'm ready. <laughs> and I realized partway through a harangue, fortunately, at least to myself, because I'm much cleverer when nobody else is listening. <laughs> Anybody else smarter when the conversation's gone? I should have, could have, would have said, yeah. And I realized, had I done that, had I not just absorbed the insult and attack, it, I, I have no guess as to what happens next in the souls of the individuals. I don't. I just know that if I contribute to the pain by retaliation, I'm not answering the Spirit's prayer that the kingdom come. And this is something, of course, that Paul maybe learned from Gamaliel, but maybe learned on that road outside Damascus, shaped his, his, his ministry. So we're going to blip over the story of Acts is is, is uh, significant, but we're going we're gonna to land now a few chapters a couple of years later when they have been shaped by this ping pong match of suffering and deliverance sometimes and not deliverance other times and, 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 and uh, rescue from uh, martyrdom sometimes and not rescue from martyrdom other times. And Paul himself has been now brutalized pretty significantly he has been stoned and left for dead outside cities. He has been uh, denied his civil rights that he had a, a card that ought to have... I mean, you, you get the story. And, and, and Paul is being shaped by, by, by all of this. He, he finds himself at one point, as you know, in this Philippian jail where when, when they are put in prison, their civil rights are denied them. They ought not ever to have been put in that place. And it, rather than, than, than get in touch with his attorney and threaten, threaten to sue, Paul and Silas just start to sing. How do, you, how do you get there? 
Because let's say if they weren't singing a strategy, you, you know what I mean? They were not singing so that deliverance would come. They were singing because they have nothing better to do. They were singing because they had nothing better to do than in the place of their pain to worship God. That also is a work of the Spirit. Along the way, in his missionary journeys, Paul begins to develop a vision for Spain, for further west. And so he determines that the Spirit is making it clear to him that he needs to go first to Jerusalem to take an offering and make a contribution to Jerusalem. And then from there, he will go to Rome, and from Rome, he will receive funding and go on his way to Spain. That's Paul's strategy for what comes next. You, you with me? So here he is, Acts chapter 20, verse 22. This is Paul saying, Behold, I am bound by the Spirit, and I am on my way to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to happen to me there, except... <laughs> The Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying, bonds and afflictions await me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Blip on the radar screen. You're gonna, you need to go, but it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, right? Look at what he says next. Now, I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul is just saying it as he feels and thinks it. The Holy Spirit has warned me. I've received words that when I go to Jerusalem, bad things are going to happen to me there. And my response in the Spirit is, Okay, because I know I'm supposed to go. This is not then interpreted by Paul as warning not to go. It is not to head off his journey. It is to prepare him for what's coming next. Okay, we're going into warfare. I need to dig down deep into what God has called and enabled me to do. This isn't much of a feel-good sermon, is it? Some of you are already starting to make sense of the disappointments you have experienced. Some of you are already starting to make sense of some of the words you have heard that you have maybe resisted or maybe misinterpreted. Here's an, here's an example of it. Verse 21, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. They are sailing. They come in sight of Cyprus. Verse 3 of chapter 21 they leave it on the left to keep sailing to Syria and land in Tyre. There is a ship to unload its cargo. And after looking up the disciples there, we stayed with them for seven days. And they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. So apparently the Holy Spirit is letting other people know this is what's going to happen to Paul on his way to Jerusalem. And their interpretation of that word was, oh, bro, don't go. Get back on the boat. 
let, stay here, anything, but don't go there because when you go there, bad things are going to happen to you. Here's a classic example, verse 20, uh, uh, 10 of that same chapter. We were staying there, now finally we made to Caesarea some days. A prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we, as well as the local residents, began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and and breaking my heart. Am I not ready to be bound, even to die at Jerusalem For the name of the Lord Jesus, and since he would not be dissuaded, (laughs) we fell silent, remarking, the will of the Lord be done. Wait, what? The will of the Lord be done. This is after a clear understanding of what the will of the Lord is. He's going to be bound hand and foot and handed over finally to the Gentiles. They interpret this as warning, don't go. Paul says, no, 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 guys, it's not that I'm not supposed to go. It's supposed that you're supposed to pray for me as I go. You're being called into intercession. Why are you weeping and warning rather than weeping and praying? Do you think that I consider my life worthy of, of, of avoiding Christ-likeness in this way? I'm paraphrasing, but am, are you tracking with me? This is, this is very challenging for us, isn't it? Because some of you are already starting to, I think, start to put the pieces together here in an awareness that sometimes we are called not to be delivered from the fire but to look around for the fourth man in the fire, if you're familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sometimes deliverance comes, and sometimes it doesn't. And what is the Spirit doing? What is God doing when we are not delivered? It's just that he does, has he lost his mojo? Has he lost the ability to deliver? Has he lost the ability to answer our prayers in a way that we would have preferred? Clearly not. Paul is being trusted with pain. Paul is being trusted with suffering. Paul is being invited into bearing, sharing the sufferings of Christ. Remember, he refers to this in Philippians. To fulfill, to bring to completion, to top up. The sufferings of Christ. Is it possible that your unanswered prayer is actually the Holy Spirit empowering you, inviting you into a shared suffering for the sake of the world? I don't understand how all this works in the area of mystery. But I have begun to wonder if there's something else deeper and more profound going on in all of this. I think that this is what Paul is saying when he writes to that church that he's ending wanting to go to, Rome. 
And he says in chapter 8, I consider then that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Even the creation waits in eager anticipation, expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. So we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this present time. And not only this, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen isn't really hope. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. So in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And the one who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know then in all things that God works for good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. I prefer God works together in all things to be taken out of that context. Don't you? Because you notice one of the things that God is at work in for good is suffering so immense we have no words for it. Disappointment, heartbreak, so great that we have no language for it. And the Spirit has to speak for us, has to intercede For us, we do not have the adequate resources for the life that we have been living. Anybody know what that feels like? And you, just me? You find, no, we know what this feels like, especially if you've made the mistake of praying, I want to be where you are. I want to be more like you. All right, buckle up. And don't waste your pain. In, in, invite the spirit to, to, this is really hard, isn't it? This is not easy for me at this stage of the journey for me to pray this. I, I, I don't want at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, to have had a successful career out of avoiding pain. How small does your life have to get that it doesn't have pain in it? How, how tiny does your life, and, 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 and notice what Paul is saying here. If you get good at this, if you get good at carrying your own pain, you can start to harmonize with the cries of creation. You can join God in carrying the weight of creation. The planet is in grief. The planet is mourning. The planet is aching. The planet is in pain. And it is waiting for the children of God 
to remember who they are, to step in to their role as the image of God and to carry the weight of the planet's pain before the Father in intercessory prayer. Wait a minute, I thought this was about me and my heartbreak. No, 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 no. Whenever did you think it was about you and about your individual journey in pain? But you don't understand what's happened to my marriage. You don't know what happened to my hopes for the future. You don't know what's happened to my kids gone sideways. You don't know what's happened. You don't know. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. But the Spirit does. And he wants to empower you for your pain. Wait, can't I just take a pill? Yes, you could. And maybe you should too. Because that might be one of the ways that the Spirit answers your prayer. I don't, I don't mean that facetiously. I mean that seriously. Right? If you've got to get your brain back on your side so you can intercede, by all means, do it. But if you're hiding from the pain with all kinds of ways that we hide from pain, maybe you're missing an opportunity to be transformed to Christ-likeness. And remember, (laughs) why is he doing this to me? Because he loves you. He's at work in all things for good. Now, it might not feel like good for you in the moment, but you did pray your will be done Even if that meant hard language, you get crushed and wrung out like fresh wine in response to that prayer, as did Jesus. Spirit intercedes for us. Um, I wasn't going to say this, But in my prayers for our community here over the last several months, and particularly in the last couple of weeks, I think, and that's as far as I can go with it right now, I'm not saying it's a word. I'm not good with that stuff. I'm saying I think that some of you are being invited to a depth of prayer in which the outcome is singular for you. I want his will to be done. It's called intercession. You can't intercede if you have a preferred outcome. That's why I can't intercede for my kids. I have to get other people to do that for me. I just want them to avoid pain without attending to whether it's the pain that might shape them to the answer to the prayer that I really want. Does that make sense? So some of you might be invited into intercession and you will feel it in your gut. Your body will signal to you in ways that maybe your brain won't because you're, we groan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Three o'clock in the morning, flat on your back and you cannot figure out what the heck is going on. No, no, no. It's what the heaven is going on. You are being invited into a conversation with your body. Your body is praying. And the spirit is groaning in words. No, beyond words. An articulate crying out 
Some of you are being invited to courageously and You've, you've prayed for deliverance from this thing or that thing or that disappointment or that thing. You've prayed for it. And I can't tell you for sure whether that prayer might not be answered in the way you'd prefer down the road, but right now the answer is no. The answer is no. You're, don't tell me your prayer hasn't been answered. It's been answered. And the answer is no. Now what are you going to do with that? Can God work all things for good as love with a prayer that's not answered the way you would prefer. Because if you can't be trusted with a no, how can you be trusted with the yeses that he wants to invite you into? Because you know what he's doing, right? He's looking for women and men that he can trust so that he can empower them to do whatever they want. It's not a question of whether we can trust God. Brothers and sisters, gravity trusts God. You can trust God. The question is, can God trust you? Alone in the dark, carrying your pain as wisely and as well, as you can, certainly bringing your complaints, certainly bringing it to, to, to prayer, but bravely carrying it in Jesus' name. And if you look around, the very same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will be with you in your mortal bodies and will give you capacity for that pain. Eddie uh, Hillisom who is a uh, Jewish Christian mystic. Uh, in Second World War, Holland. Ended up uh, perishing in Auschwitz. Uh, wrote uh, a diary that is, I can only read small chunks of it. I just am caught up in her, her journey. I want you to, Listen to an excerpt, and then we'll close. So remember the context, please. She says, you must be able to bear your sorrow, even if it seems to crush you. You will be able to stand up again, for human beings are so strong. And your sorrow must become an integral part of yourself. You mustn't run away from it, but bear it like an adult. Do not relieve your feelings of hatred. Do not seek to be avenged. Do not return evil for evil even in your thoughts. Give your sorrow all of the space and shelter in yourself that is its due for everyone if everyone bears grief honestly and courageously, if everyone bears grief honestly and courageously, the sorrow that now fills the world will abate. 
But if you do instead reserve most of the space inside you for hatred and thoughts of revenge from which new sorrows will be born for yourself and for others, then sorrow will never cease in this world. But if you have given sorrow the space its gentle origins demand, then you may truly say, life is beautiful and so rich, so beautiful and so rich that it makes you want to believe in God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.